Taiwan reported 34 local COVID cases on Monday, including 12 from Geelong. These include six high school students and two administrative workers at a local police station. Two other Geelong cases are a professor and a university student who ate at the same restaurant. Let's hear from the CECC. Through genetic sequencing, we found that the cases at the Geelong Eatery were infected by an Omicron variant we had not previously detected, making it the 21st variant we've seen in Taiwan. It's different from all the other previous local Omicron infections. It's part of the BA23 sublineage. We will set up a testing site at National Taiwan Ocean University. Four of Monday's cases were reported in Taidong. Eleven cases were linked to Taoyuan's Datan power plant, where a large cluster was found over the weekend. All of Taiwan's current pandemic health measures will stay in place throughout the month of April. The CECC made the announcement on Monday, citing a recent rise in domestic infections. But he said that Taiwan's goal was still to return to normalcy over time, easing restrictions slowly so that the health system does not become overburdened. Due to recent developments, we will leave the current COVID regulations unchanged from April 1st to April 30th. Amid a rise in local cases, the CECC decided not to ease its mask rules at the end of the month against expectations. It also addressed concerns that, amid the high transmissibility of Omicron, Taiwan could end up like Hong Kong. Of course we don't want to go down like Hong Kong. Our situation is somewhat better than Hong Kong's. The main factor is that our vaccine coverage is higher than theirs. Hong Kong has shown us how crucial it is for older adults to be vaccinated. We've gone on about this for almost a year, but still 23% of older adults have yet to receive a single dose of a COVID vaccine. At present, one dose coverage stands at 87.37%, two dose coverage is at 79.21%, and booster coverage is at 49.23%. Even with booster coverage still short of the 50% goal, the CECC said its plans to return Taiwan to normalcy have not changed. In general, we will still move toward loosening restrictions. As for when we will stop easing restrictions, that time will come when our medical system is no longer able to cope. Chen said the government will continue easing restrictions unless the health system becomes overburdened. For now, stocks of COVID treatments are plentiful, he said. Currently, eating and drinking are permitted on the high-speed rail, while dining in is allowed at restaurants. Quarantines for overseas arrivals is down to 10 days. An infectious diseases expert says it will be impossible to keep out the virus and that a zero-COVID policy is not worth the trouble. At some point, contact tracing will require too much effort and yield very small results. At that point, you'd have to accept that the virus could be everywhere. Of course, there are a lot of suggestions, some very bold suggestions. But I think that psychologically, Taiwan is not yet ready to abandon a zero-COVID policy. Chen said that Taiwan's return to normalcy would be gradual. He called on people to abide by public health rules in the bid to contain viral spread. Taiwan has tightened its COVID vaccine mandate for adult entertainment venues. As of Sunday, booster shots are required for patrons of select entertainment venues, including hostess tea houses, saunas, and bars. Workers at these businesses must also be fully boosted if they had their second shot at least three months prior. 
They must also undergo a rapid test every week until the end of the month. The new mandate comes amid a rise in domestic COVID infections. Amid a spike in local COVID infections, the CECC tightened COVID rules for adult entertainment venues on Sunday. Patrons who enter these entertainment venues have to show proof of having received three doses of a COVID vaccine. As for workers at the establishments, including gig workers, those who received their second dose at least three months ago are eligible for boosters and will have to get boosted. To enforce the new rules, Tainan launched an inspection of 110 venues in the city. Authorities found one worker who hadn't received two doses of a COVID vaccine and 29 customers who hadn't been boosted. The immunity provided by the first and second doses is already waning. It's necessary for people in these venues and industries to get a booster. That's why the requirements have become stricter. Over in Kaohsiung, inspections were also launched across the city. Many businesses said they were unaware of the new rules. Some people were caught without a vaccine certificate. Others didn't have their IDs. Photos of the documents were not accepted as valid. We checked 10 businesses. There were more than 10 people without boosters who were trying to enter the venues and were told to leave by staff. We also found one worker who'd had a second dose at least three months ago, but who still had yet to receive a booster. The new COVID policy left businesses scrambling to respond. For the most part, first-time infractions were let off with a warning. But repeat offenders will be fined and their cases handed over to the Department of Health. Authorities call on businesses to follow the rules to help fight viral spread in the entertainment industry. A smoker for more than 50 years, Health Minister Chen Shizhong says he's ready to call it quits. At an anti-smoking event on Monday, Chen said that for the first time ever, he was determined to cut out cigarettes for good. He said he was motivated by his own ministry's efforts to tighten national smoking laws. He denied that the decision had anything to do with his rumored political campaign in the local elections. <laughs> he trips over his words but manages to say the slogan. It's Health Minister Chen Shizhong in his first public appearance at an anti-smoking event. The minister admitted that he'd been a smoker for almost half a century. I have been smoking for 50 years. I never gathered the motivation to try to quit. I kept finding reasons to keep smoking. You need to take action before you can succeed. If you never start, you will never succeed. Chen had told journalists before that he had an unshakable smoking addiction. But now that his own ministry is pushing tougher smoking laws, he said he'd try his best to kick the habit. Whenever any of us are with Minister Chen, we should try to help him. Help him find ways to stay away from tobacco. <laughs> What's his chance of success? I'm very confident in him. I'd say he has a 100% chance of success. He'll absolutely be able to succeed, without a doubt. Surrounded by supporters, Chen said that this was the first time he'd truly been determined to quit. There is a lot of data on the impact of smoking on COVID-19 patients. What's more, we are promoting an amendment to the Tobacco Hazards Prevention Act. Amid speculation that he might run in this year's local elections, Chen was asked if his decision to quit smoking had anything to do with a potential campaign. 
It's got nothing to do with that. Quitting is a very tough decision to make. In our society, you all know sometimes at the legislative yuan, reporters ask me about quitting smoking, but I never commit to it. I don't know whether any lawmakers will join me in quitting, but I think that after hearing me speak up today, some of my smoker friends might feel a lot more pressure to quit now. It's just one more issue that's set to dog the minister. In the months to come, he'll likely be asked not just about COVID or a potential political run, but also about his journey to quitting tobacco. In Zhanghua County, a giant mask has won the Guinness World Records title of largest in the world. At 8.3 meters long and 4.7 meters wide, the mask is 50 times larger than a normal face mask. Manufacturers hope that the spectacle will highlight the importance of mask wearing. The giant will now find a home in a show factory where tourists can pay it a visit. The same blue and purple mask is on all the guests of honor in the audience and on the mascots on stage. But the mascots' masks are not the record setters. At this mask factory in Zhanghua, staff spent three months making a mask that's 50 times life-size. When it's up on its model, you can see it's meant to be a glittering diamond. It's not just a medical mask. It's an innovative Super 3D diamond-shaped mask. A flat mask has become Super 3D. It's 8.3 meters long and 4.79 meters wide, the equivalent of 2,500 normal-size masks. And the Guinness Book of World Records says it's the biggest. We hope this Guinness World Records title will encourage people around the world to see the importance of mask use and disease prevention. You are officially amazing. Congratulations on achieving this Guinness World Records title. The mask will find a home in a show factory so fans can come and see it for themselves. Amid rising cross-strait tensions, Taiwan's Intelligence Bureau is reporting a rise in military threats targeting the president. The National Security Bureau says that in 2021, chatter about these so-called decapitation strikes increased by three times compared to the previous year. According to a local media report, the military reacted to the threats by adjusting its air and ground defense of Greater Taipei. Speaking at the Legislative Yuan, Intelligent Director Chen Mingtong declined to comment on the adjustments. I repeat, we are an intelligence agency. We don't comment on media reporting that's based on hearsay. The number of cases, what these cases involve, and how we maintain security, for national security reasons, that information typically cannot be disclosed. But I do believe that drills are conducted every year. Intelligence gathering is conducted all the time. It's done to a plan. In previous years, Taiwan's security unit has conducted drills in preparation for a strike against the president. In the first stage of the drill, the president is moved to a command center in Yuanshan, while the vice president is moved to another command center in Greater Taipei. The second part of the exercise focuses on protecting critical national infrastructure. The third phase is tabletop exercises for a variety of threat scenarios. A public notice went up at the legislature on Monday announcing last week's passage of an amendment to lower the voting age. This constitutional amendment will need to be approved by half of all eligible voters in Taiwan before it could come into effect. On Monday, lawmakers faced off over when this referendum should be held. To maximize turnout, the DPP is pushing for November 26, the day of the local elections, but it's encountering stiff resistance from the KMT. Oh, 
Legislative Speaker Yoshi Quinn put up a notice on Monday announcing a new constitutional amendment. This amendment to lower the voting age to 18 will need to be approved in a referendum by more than half of the electorate, or about 9.65 million votes. Speaker Yo said he wanted to hold the vote at the end of the year on the same day as the local elections. Subjectively, that's the hope. I hope that the referendum will be held with the local elections. Even the winner of the 2020 presidential election did not have enough votes to pass the threshold of a constitutional referendum. The KMT said it strenuously opposed Yo's proposal. It accused the DPP of flip-flopping from its own position in last December's four-in-one referendum. During that referendum, the DPP said it was concerning itself with the facts and not individual people. It said that, on the basis of facts, it believed that referendums should not be held alongside general elections. Fast forward to today, what's the DPP concerning itself with now? You can't change your position simply because the electoral thresholds are different. We'd like to ask KMT Chairman Chu to not encourage his party's lawmakers to desert the cause of constitutional reform. The KMT seems to have supported this constitutional revision only for a day. The very next day, it completely changed its tune. For this coming constitutional referendum, the electoral threshold is so high that the voting has to be tied to a general election. The DPP lawmaker said that constitutional referendums had a higher threshold than general referendums. Constitutional referendums need support from at least half of all eligible voters to pass, whereas general referendums require only a quarter of voters, he said, emphasizing that the DPP's positions were not one-size-fits-all. He said the fate of the voting age referendum could have an impact on other constitutional revisions, such as those on climate change, animal protection, and the abolition of the examination yuan and control yuan. Another proposal calls for lowering the minimum age for president to 35. We hope that many other issues can be brought into the discussion. Regarding the timing of the upcoming referendum, I think that what matters is whether election planners can still dot the I's and cross the T's and put together all the requisite support measures. I think that is what's most important. We will do everything in our power to ensure the passage of this constitutional amendment. Lawmakers said the road of constitutional reform was long and that the upcoming referendum would only be the beginning. Turning now to Europe. At one trade station in Austria, Ukrainian refugees have been getting a warm welcome from Taiwanese expats. Every week, some 30 Taiwanese gather at the local station to greet refugees with music and food. The group serves piping hot dumplings and Ukrainian-style red beet soup. Some play the violin, filling the station with Ukraine's national anthem. Since Russia launched its attack on Ukraine late last month, more than 3.6 million Ukrainians have fled their homes. About 27,000 of them have landed in Austria. The war in Ukraine has had economic consequences worldwide. We spoke to a company in Taidong which received an unexpected blow from the conflict. Gardener and florist Tang Chi Xiang runs a seed garden and sells seedlings to customers globally, including hundreds of thousands of dollars of goods sent to Russia and Ukraine every year. Now, the war has caused dozens of cancellations as postal lines are shut down. It's a forest of amaryllis in bloom. Gardeners love the elegant red and mignon pink varieties, especially gardeners in colder countries like Ukraine and Russia, where tropical flowers don't grow. Every year, customers from overseas order lots of flowers from Taiwan, but now that war has broken out, all the parcels have been returned. 
，就寄到俄罗斯，他这里有都有些原因，直接通路通路阻断，直接退回的。These postal packages contain seedlings. The sticker on this one says "postage interrupted." The warehouse is piled high with return goods. The war has caused cancellations from customers in other nearby Eastern European countries too. 就大概有。I think five or six customers said straight out that they can't get parcels there for now, and asked if we could cancel the order. We've only sent items to people with connections. Others have chosen to cancel the order or wait. Our buyers in Russia have a lot of purchasing power. Each one of them usually spends 10,000 NT on an average purchase. If 15 are unable to receive deliveries, that means 150,000 NT for us. There are also some large and middling suppliers, so it makes it hard to predict. Gardeners at this seed garden grow Chinese hibiscus and amaryllis. It's a big player in the floral retail scene, with customers in more than 100 countries worldwide. Every year, 600 to 700,000 NT worth of seedlings are sold to Russia, and 200,000 NT to Ukraine. With orders cancelled, the business has lost almost 100,000 NT in just one month. When the pandemic hit, at first we just had 25 countries left where we could send items. Our turnover fell by 70%. We've continuously worked to expand the countries where we can deliver. Our profits have very gradually risen to 70% or 80% of what they were. And now, with the Russia-Ukraine war, bizarrely, the parcels we sent have come back to us. The company was first reeling from COVID, but managed to recover somewhat, only to get another hit from the war in Europe. Now these florists are among millions worldwide, hoping the war will end as soon as possible. The real estate market is slowing amid a raft of government measures to curb speculation. In the wake of rising interest rates and restrictions on property transfers, real estate agents predict only modest annual growth of 0.5% to 2% in transactions over the first half of the year. However, they see continued strong demand from buyers looking for a long-term investment. Since the end of last year. The government has been cracking down on real estate speculation. From this survey, we can tell that the market's bullish sentiment has decreased immensely. According to a new survey on real estate agents, recent government measures have been effective at tamping down the property market. In the six special municipalities, real estate prices are showing signs of cooling. In Taipei, Taoyuan, and Gaosheng, the market's bullish sentiment decreased by more than 10 percent. The market remained bullish only in Tainan. The government crackdown on property speculation has made an impact. We predict that for the first half of the year, trade volume will grow at a stagnant rate of 0.5 percent to 2 percent. Price growth is already slowing. This year, the Ministry of the Interior will tighten its curbs on the market by prohibiting the transfer of pre-sale houses. Agents say that the second half of this year could be the right time to purchase homes for self-use. The government's property measures are continuing to make an impact, curbing speculative and opportunistic buying. Currently, we're seeing high inflation and strong economic growth. It is the right time to purchase homes for investment and self-use. In order to suppress real estate prices, local governments plan to raise their absentee owner tax rates. In New Taipei City, for example, the absentee owner tax could go up to 1.5 percent for one property, 2.4 percent for two properties, and 3.6 percent for three or more properties. Critics say that rising tax rates could prompt landlords to raise their rents, affecting younger adults who don't own homes. 
Taiwan's political figures are reminiscing about their younger years after photos of the country's mayors and county leaders surfaced online. A professor at National Taiwan University posted a selection of photos of Taiwan's local leaders, prompting many to comment on the change of time. But which politicians could you recognize from the early days? This grid of faded photos went viral. The lineup is Taiwan's current mayors and county commissioners and was posted by NTU's political science professor Wang Ye Li with the comment, huh, we've all got a past, haven't we? On the top left is Taipei Mayor Ko Wen-je. Next to him is new Taipei's Ho Yo-i, then Jilong's Lin Yo-chang. This graceful young lady is Yilan County Commissioner Lin Zimiao. That's a photo of me in high school. Everyone is beautiful when they're young. Lin commented on the post, jokingly signing off as Elon's Cherie Chung, a reference to the Hong Kong film star. But Lin's not the only politician with a glamorous youth. With those big eyes and strong brow, the dashing young Lin Yo Chang was quite a heartbreaker. But some internet users focused on the change wrought by time. Everyone was young once. That photo was probably taken when I was 19. My own son is 20 now. Next up is new Taipei's Ho Yo Yi, who posted a 41-year-old photo taken at Central Police University. He had a full head of hair in those days. I think that's the last time I had long hair. The year I graduated from university, and after I graduated, I cut my long hair short. Because during serious cases, we'd have to arrest suspects. And here's Zheng Wen-san, mayor of Taoyuan, as a university student at NTU, sporting a fashionable perm. Who would have guessed his face used to be so long and thin? Meanwhile, at the turn of the millennium, Xinju Mayor Lin Zhijian was in middle school, rocking the Aaron Kwok haircut, quite a trailblazer. My wife says that she prefers my white hair now to that juvenile look. A few wrinkles make you look more manly. The post has attracted lots of buzz, stirring up old memories for Taiwan's politicians and reminding us all of our younger days.